de-risking from China. Foreign companies are pulling out of the Chinese market. One of them just cashed in billions worth of stakes. Argentina's president-elect vowing not to deal with communists. Beijing promptly responds. Deadly fentanyl flowing into the U.S. How is President Biden fighting the lethal drug trade? We made important progress with both China and Mexico. And are human rights violations from China getting shipped to American schools? A nonprofit reports that Chinese seafood has ties to forced labor and that it's ending up in U.S. grocery stores, restaurants, and federal food programs. Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Foreign companies operating in China are doing more to distance themselves from the country. In the past, such companies often reinvested China profits in the local market, but many have halted the practice, instead choosing to move the money elsewhere. The trend is showing up in China's official data. In the third quarter of this year, China saw a deficit of $11.8 billion in foreign investment. It's the first deficit since records began. Concerns driving business away include China's slowing economy and geopolitical tensions between China and other nations. One American company is cashing in at $1.8 billion investment by selling off stakes in China. Investment firm Carlyle has reduced its China business before in recent years. Among Carlyle's global business, about 5% targeted Chinese companies this year, just half of its China investment in 2021. This time, Carlyle sold those stakes to another American company, McDonald's. The fast food chain is instead going against the trend of reducing China ties. The trend has also reached one of China's neighbors, Japan. China is Japan's biggest trading partner, but Japanese firms are losing confidence in Beijing, with sentiment falling to a historic low. A new survey shows less than 30 percent of them are planning to expand in the Chinese market, falling from 40 percent two years ago. Last month, China arrested a Japanese executive on suspicion of espionage. The arrest has had a chilling effect on other Japanese businesses. And American and European countries are trying to explore new technology to reduce dependence on China's rare earth manufacturing. Rare earth minerals are key to making the engines of electric cars. But with help from a new technology, soon engines might no longer need the materials. A British company called Advanced Electric Machines announced this week that it had raised about $29 million for developing and producing the new engines. Next, we move to America's southern backyard, where Argentinian president-elect Javier Millet secured a landslide win over the weekend. Millet promises a drastic change for the country and could include the country's relations with communist China. He's criticized both China and Brazil, saying he won't deal with communists and favors stronger U.S. ties. In recent months, Millet even likened the Chinese communist regime to an assassin and said the people of China were not free. The CCP has gained so much leverage in Argentina like that, that they were able to get away when former President Mauricio Macri tried to expel the People's Liberation Army from managing a space station in the province of Neuquén, which had restricted access even to the president himself and local authorities. So the leverage is very big. Beijing says it's ready to work with Argentina despite Millet's criticism. China is among Argentina's most important trade partners. Millet's tough talk on China stands in sharp contrast to the outgoing president, Alberto Fernandez. He visited Beijing last month and hailed China as a true friend of Argentina. 
It remains to be seen what Milei will do after taking office later. Back over to China, the country's smartphone exports are taking a plunge. According to official data, total exports of the devices fell by 6.4 percent in the first 10 months this year. Statistics reveal that China's mobile phone export volume hit its peak in 2015. It dropped by over 500 million units annually between 2015 and 2022. Chinese media reports that the closure of foreign mobile phone manufacturers' factories in China may be a primary factor. Looking at one case, South Korea's Samsung gradually withdrew from the Chinese market starting in 2014, shifting production to countries like Vietnam. Similarly, Apple has been gradually relocating its production lines away from China in recent years. A nationwide crisis is gripping the U.S. Deadly and pervasive, the potent drug fentanyl is pouring across America's borders from China. Is a deal with Beijing the key to stopping the tide? Here's a closer look at what Biden said on Tuesday at the White House. Last week in San Francisco, we made important progress by both China and Mexico to strengthen our efforts to address this scourge. During my meeting with President Xi, we took a critical step of resuming counter-narcotics cooperation between our two countries. It was one of the important things we agreed upon. As part of the fight, Biden adds Congress must provide the needed funding. Disagreements over issues like Ukraine aid have stalled a package worth $1.2 billion to counter fentanyl trafficking. According to reports, Mexican cartels get most of the precursor chemicals they use to make fentanyl from China, then traffic the lethal drugs into the U.S. When the Chinese regime leader brought his delegation to San Francisco last week, they came with surprising news for U.S. officials. Beijing had already taken action against 25 Chinese companies known to be involved in the illicit fentanyl trade. In return, the U.S. is lifting sanctions on Chinese institutes accused of human rights violations against the Uyghur ethnic group. But the deal drew criticism from some Republicans. They say Biden didn't secure enough assurances from China, and if Beijing fails to honor its commitments, it's unclear if Washington may reimpose the penalties. Beijing promised Washington it would deal with the issue back in 2019. Illicit fentanyl from China remains readily available in the U.S. today. Fentanyl is the leading cause of death for Americans ages 18 to 49. It can be found laced in pills, marijuana, and even vape pens. Fishing has long been considered one of the world's deadliest professions. Now, an investigative report is tying it to human rights abuses in China. It says Chinese fishing and processing operations are using forced labor from the Uyghur ethnic group and that the U.S. is buying that seafood in violation of 2021's Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. Over four years, a team from the Ocean Outlaw Project nonprofit trailed and even boarded some of China's 6,500 fishing ships. When they refused to talk, reporters said they had ventured out in small boats, throwing plastic bottles filled with interview questions aboard. Workers then answered them in notes and tossed the bottles back. From the fishing ships, the group tracked the seafood to Chinese ports and processing plants, then all the way to the U.S. and Europe. 
There, the fish allegedly landed in grocery stores like Walmart, Costco, Kroger and Cisco, plus restaurants and food companies. That's on top of U.S. federal purchases for school lunches and other programs like soup kitchens. The probe also found some Chinese plants employ North Korean workers. U.S. sanctions ban all American purchases of products made with North Korean labor. Following the report's release, several major U.S. and European companies have cut ties with Chinese processors that are accused of forced labor. All roads lead back to China. That's what a former NYPD detective said about his experience in tackling counterfeit goods. Last week, the Department of Homeland Security raided a storage facility in Manhattan and seized knocked-off goods valued at $1 billion if they were authentic. Two men were charged with trafficking in counterfeit goods. Counterfeits range from fake handbags to shoes and clothing, all crafted to mimic luxury brands like Gucci, Louis Vuitton and Hermes. The raid happened at Gotham Mini Storage in Manhattan. Officers say storage spaces like this are well suited for illegal retailers and are all over the country. Turning our attention now to cross-strait relations, a group of U.S. House Republicans are seeking the status of two F-16 aircraft programs for Taiwan. The values of these military equipments total up to $12.7 billion, and they've been sitting in Washington's backlog since 2019. Lawmakers fear that the deliveries of these fighter jets might be held back even further. That says Washington devotes much of its military commitment to Ukraine and Israel. As of now, members of Congress are urging the White House to focus primarily on Taiwan and ramp up deliveries of promised military aid. On top of fighter jets, the Biden administration is also pushing through an aid package that would send security assistance to the Indo-Pacific region. Congressman Mike Gallagher, chairman of the House Select Committee on the CCP, told CBS that Congress would likely pass the request. The balance of hard power across the strait and throughout the Indo-Pacific region is eroding, and with it, the risk of war is increasing, yeah. which is why we need to act before it's too late. Meanwhile, in Taiwan, the island's defense ministry on Sunday detected nine Chinese aircraft crossing the median line, an unofficial barrier between China and Taiwan. The region has seen a surge in Chinese military activities. The aircraft, along with several Chinese warships, were there to carry out joint combat readiness patrols. This maneuver came just days after President Biden's meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping in San Francisco. For decades, the CCP sees Taiwan as its own territory and has vowed to take it by force if necessary. That's despite never having ruled it. And now some quick headlines from the Asia-Pacific region, starting with a rocket launch by North Korea. Pyongyang has told Japan that it plans to launch a satellite between this Wednesday and December the 1st. South Korean and Japanese officials say the rocket is believed to be carrying a military reconnaissance satellite. Now Japan is saying its defense systems stand ready to deal with it. To get ready for an unexpected situation, the self-defense forces Aegis ships and Pac-3 missile defense units in Okinawa are already carrying out the necessary preparations. Having a satellite up in the sky would be a boost for North Korea's ballistic missile program, as it could gather data on troops and vehicle movements. Such a launch by Pyongyang would violate United Nations resolutions. In the face of that increasing threat, Washington is responding. A U.S. aircraft carrier docked at a South Korean port on Tuesday. 
China, on the other hand, is calling for talks to de-escalate tensions. The U.S. and South Korea struck a deal in April to increase U.S. military presence to deter threats from North Korea. The news comes after the Biden administration's proposed weapons sales to Japan and South Korea. Pyongyang called the potential sales of a tomahawk weapon system to Japan and military equipment to South Korea a dangerous act. Last Friday, the State Department revealed the Biden administration has approved the proposed sale of a $2 billion missile system to Japan. Moving down under, Australia is speaking out. That's following a dangerous encounter with a Chinese warship last week. The first is that the safety and well-being of Australian defence personnel uh, is our utmost priority. Uh, the second point I'd make uh, is to again reiterate that we have raised our serious concerns uh, with the Chinese authorities following what uh, was uh, we regard as unsafe and unprofessional interaction uh, with uh, the PLA Navy destroyer. An Australian Navy diver was injured when an Australian warship and a Chinese warship encountered each other in Japan's exclusive economic zone on November 14th. Coming up from ships to aircraft, the Taiwan Strait has seen an unprecedented surge in military activity from Beijing. An expert warns that the Chinese Air Force is becoming a, quote, near-peer competitor to Washington. If war does break out between the two over Taiwan, who would hold the upper hand in an air fight? Plus, North Korea is preparing to launch a space satellite, and a U.S. aircraft carrier has arrived at South Korea's doorstep. How does this play into Washington's strategy for the peninsula? We sat down with Brandon Weikert, geopolitical analyst and author of The Shadow War, for details. More on that after the break here on China In Focus. Welcome back to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Over the last few years, Beijing has been ramping up its war games near the Taiwan Strait. An expert is warning that American warplanes are nearly outnumbered by Chinese jets. How big of a concern is this and what lies ahead for the region? Joining us to discuss is Brandon Weikert, geopolitical analyst and author of The Shadow War. Brandon Weikert, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure to be here. To begin, a U.S. aircraft carrier group is in South Korean waters. How do you read this move? Well, we've been hearing a lot of burblings from Kim Jong-un as the Middle East is exploding and the Ukraine war is grinding on. It seems like uh, Kim Jong-un hasn't wanted to be left out of all the fun. And so the last few weeks, he's been threatening to do more missile tests, threatening to basically destabilize the region. And we know also that Kim Jong-un is basically China's cat's paw, and China very much wants to stretch out and strain and drain America's military to the point that it breaks to give China a window of opportunity to execute some major move, probably against Taiwan or even the Senkakus. And so that's, I think, why we're deploying the aircraft carrier to South Korea, sort of as a deterrence, but also to sort of let everybody know we're still around. Hmm. And speaking of Taiwan, China just sent nine more Chinese aircraft crossing the median line. That's according to Taiwan's defense ministry. Now, this does come after that high stakes meeting between President Biden and Xi Jinping last week. How do you read this move? Is it a thaw or is it back to business as usual? 
Well, um, I think that the Americans and the, the Chinese are trying to get back to business as usual, but I don't think there's ever going to be going back to business as usual. I think the Chinese want to lull the Americans into a false sense of security while they continue to ramp up with their military aggression toward their neighbors. I, I would caution uh, audiences we could be witnessing China getting ready to take a major military action, but it actually might not be against Taiwan right yet. It might be a distraction, focus us on Taiwan, and they're going to do something else somewhere else. But they are getting ready to move big, and they're trying to lull the Americans into a false sense of security. And I think that they're being effective because they have a president in the White House, let's face it, is not serious about the Chinese threat. And to your point, we are seeing Chinese military aggression in the region, whether that's with the right. Philippines or lately with the sonar against right. these Australian divers. How do you read all of these increases? Is it to desensitize the public? How do you yeah. read this? That's exactly right. It's to basically numb us. And I think what Western analysts should really be asking themselves is less, will China pull the trigger? I think they will. It's a question of where will the hammer fall? Um, I still think Taiwan is their most obvious target, but we cannot rule out the Senkakus in the East China Sea, some of those uh, Philippine, uh, you know, disputed areas in the South China Sea, or even Northern India, uh, where, of course, China is a land power first. It's becoming a maritime power. So they have a lot of actual advantages against India uh, with their army uh, that they may just decide to exploit because they think the Americans are weak and distracted at this point. And on top of that, China does have a bigger navy than the U.S. Given all of these moves, what should the U.S. be doing and focusing on now? Well, the first thing we should be doing is surging capacity for submarine construction. Uh, we should begin a crash course, I hate that term, but a, a crash course to basically reinvigorate the industrial base and try to multiply our submarine capabilities as quickly as possible. We should also be lighting a fire underneath the Australians' rear ends. Uh, we did this great AUKUS deal with them over the issue of building submarines, but it sounds like there's been some significant delays, so we should be sort of pulling our resource bases together as one to augment and facilitate faster submarine construction and deployment, because those are going to be the tips of the proverbial spear if some conflict with China opens up. It's going to be submarines first. And Brandon, it seems it's not just the naval power, if you will. You actually have a recent piece out titled, China Can Beat the U.S. in an Air War. Yeah. Tell us about that. How would that work? Yeah, so just like their Navy, uh, the, the Chinese air fleet is growing at leaps and bounds. And so there's the old argument of quantity versus quality, just because they have more, are they better, are they as good as American forces? And unfortunately, at some point, as Mao said, quantity has a quality all of its own. They can basically just overwhelm the sophisticated and superior American jets with just greater numbers of their less sophisticated jets. And oh, by the way, in the realm of stealth, and hypersonics especially, China's not only caught up, but in the case of hypersonics, they've actually leapfrogged uh, the Americans. And the key thing here is China has what I like to call home field advantage. All of these 
potential areas of conflict are right next door to China. They're a long way away from the United States. And the Pacific Ocean separates U.S. forces from Asia. That's a huge ocean with not a lot of refueling and basing areas, not a lot of staging areas. So the areas that we do have, they're relatively small. The Chinese know about them, and they can target them not only with their air force, but those very sophisticated ballistic missiles that they have forward deployed on those man-made islands. This is all part of a larger Chinese strategy of preventing the Americans from bringing their force to bear so that the Chinese military can run over whatever target they want nearer to their homes. Brandon Weikert, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.